Luke Welcome chapter 17, this is Jesus, he's now talking to a, a group of vagabonds of called the disciples, a group of guys that he gathered together that were just a, a crazy group of guys, you know what I'm saying? They're a wild and crazy guy, you know, thank you. And, but Luke 17, he said this, he said to the disciples, it is impossible, say, say impossible, that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. So what is he saying? It's impossible to avoid it, right? It's coming. Now, if that was true 2,000 years ago, before Instagram, before group messages, before your family reunion, Before a 24-hour news cycle, before all the things that we're battling today, come on everybody, before the, the, the culture and the society has gone off the rails, before that, he said, you just need to know there are moments that you are going to be offended. There's, there's a fence that's going to come. It's going to happen. Verse 4. It says, and if he sins against you, this is, go down to verse 4. It says, and if he sins against you, this is one to another. If, he, if somebody sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in that day asks or returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So offense is going to come. We know that, right? It's pretty obvious. It's happened to all of us. And when offense comes, we have to do what? We have to forgive. That's what the Bible says, right? This is words of Jesus. Those are in red letters in your Bible, okay? So now look at the response from the disciples. Because the disciples weren't like, oh, thank you, God, for giving us this wonderful instruction. Thank you for the good news. Oh, Jesus, the wonderful one. Right, everybody? No. What did they say? What did the disciples say? Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. And the, and the apostles replied to him, Lord, increase our faith. Oh, God, help us. That's what they're saying. So Jesus says offenses are going to come, and the disciples respond, then we need your help. If that's going to happen, we need you. We need more what? Faith. We need more faith. If offense is going to come, God, we need more faith. Because when offense comes, I often turn to fists, not faith. Right? Filthy language, not faith. Come on, everybody. Listen, if that's your neighbor, just nudge them. Say, this is for you. I heard you earlier. You didn't even say it out loud. It was just in your head. I worked through the offense. Here I am. By faith, Lord, here I am I. Come on, everybody, right? Come on. Right? So, not faith. Okay? Not faith so you don't ever get offended. But when they come. You see, there's a big difference. Not faith so that you live numb to your emotions and it doesn't matter. No. God wants you to live in the reality of your emotions. He just wants you to overcome when that happens so that you don't become offended. There's a big difference between offense and offended, right? We'll talk about that more. They're, they're saying, Lord, give us faith so that when we're dealing with these kinds of things, we have the faith to do what? Forgive. We have the faith to forgive. We all desire, I'm going to come at you hard this morning, okay? You're, you're, you're running on yesterday's sleep, and so I'm just going to, right from the get-go, here we go. Here, here it is. We all desire to be loved, and therefore we all fear rejection. All of us have a desire to be loved, so because of that, we all fear rejection. <laughs> and you in here that are like, not me. You too, big guy. Right? In your notes, write this down. Since love is one of our greatest needs, and rejection is one of our greatest fears, unforgiveness becomes one of our greatest temptations. Since love is one of our greatest needs, and rejection is one of our greatest fears, 
unforgiveness becomes one of our greatest temptations. Okay? Why? Because when we don't feel loved and we do feel rejected, we will want to respond in a way that gives us some sort of justice. Right? Fine. You want to be like that? Fine. I'll show you. Two can play that game. I got a PhD. Come on. Some of you have lived offended for a long time. But what we find out is unforgiveness has, is no justice at all. Unforgiveness, listen to me, can never bring peace. I, it doesn't matter what they did, unforgiveness will never bring you peace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with who? Everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no, this is important, underline this in your notes, root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Some of you are like, man, it's time change Sunday. Why did you just bring something else? You know, you did a four-song worship set instead of a three. I thought today was going to be some singing, some pretty scripture, a prayer, and we're out. <laughs> Isn't God funny? Right? He tees you up, and he gives you what you need. He's saying here that we're going to have to live at peace with people. And that's not easy. It's not easy to live at peace with people. Do you know why? They're people. They're, they're dumb. God calls people sheep. Have you ever been around a sheep? A sh sheep will eat anything. That's not smart. Right? You ever seen someone shear a sheep? When they get turned over on their back, they're laying on their neck, they, can't, they don't even know how to get up. I've lived a long time. I can get up. Some days I don't feel like getting up. but I promise if somebody was holding me down, shaving the hair off my body, I could get up. It's just the things I think about, y'all. You do not want to know what goes on up here. What goes on up here has to be filtered between here and here. It just has to. It's the Holy Spirit. That's His job in my life. We're going to have to walk in forgiveness. We're going to have to walk in holiness. So, uh, so, so I need to live at peace with who? With everyone. I need to live at peace with the people around me. I need to live at peace. I need to, because if not, it will affect my vision. That's what it says here. And he says that the thing that can happen and that can destroy me is this thing called the root of bitterness. Now, it sounds like King James-ish, right? Root of bitterness, right? So, so now unforgiveness and bitterness have become a massive issue in my life because it's, a, it's not, because it's a root issue. You see what I'm saying? This becomes a root issue in my life. Unforgiveness and bitterness. If I allow those things to stay there, they become a root issue in my life. Living at peace, listen to me, is not surface, it's deep. People that can live at peace with people, those people have a peace that passes understanding, okay? That is different than the rest of the world. It's not fruit, it's root, okay? It's foundational. So what we know about roots is they create what? Roots create fruit. Roots create fruit. Without roots, you can't have fruit. I told, I've said this before, but when God was calling us into the ministry, he took me out of the corporate world and brought me 
<laughs> he humbled me is what he did. And my Bible school literally was AM radio preaching on a farm with a weed eater, weed eating an apple orchard of 36,000 apple trees. Okay? With 36,000 apple trees planted three feet apart. And I would, I would weed eat those apple trees. And by the time I was done, I had to start over. Okay? And I'm like, God, why'd you take me out of a, an amazing corporate job, making more money than I ever thought I'd make in my whole life, you told us to go home. We went home. Then you gave me this job. I was, I was, I was offended at God. Okay? Here, I learned so much in that apple orchard, it's not even funny. In that apple orchard, this was in Farwell, Texas. Okay, it's not far from here. In that apple orchard, the apple trees that we had, I, I got to noticing one day, it, it was so weird because... The, the leaves on the trees look different than the, than the leaves. Remember, I was running a weed eater. So I was paying attention to what? To where the tree comes out of the ground, right? And, and I, can, I, can I tell you something? The farmer that owns that tree doesn't want you to girdle it. doesn't want you to cut all the way around the bark. With the, because if you cut all the way around the bark on a tree, you kill the tree. Okay, because the, the nutrients in a tree run through that layer right under the bark, okay? So some of you now know why when the rabbits eat your trees, they die. That, that's why. Okay. So, or if you get too close to the weed eater, you're like, I don't know why that one died. <laughs> hey, Cletus, you cut it. <laughs> that's what happened. Right there, man. You cut it. So, I got to noticing the leaves on the trees were different than the leaves coming out of the ground that were, that were kind of budding out down by the surface where the root was. And, and here's what I learned. In our part of the world, do you see an abundance of apples? Anybody? We just have natural growing apple trees everywhere. Yes or no? No, we live in the desert southwest, right? We don't live in an environment where apple trees just naturally grow. So, so you know what they did? They got smart, and they decided that they could cut an apple tree off at the root, and they would graft it on to something that would live in a desert environment. In fact, if I didn't get around and weed eat enough, what I would see, and I wish I had a picture of this, is because I, I didn't, my cell phone debt back then was in a bag. <laughs> I, I didn't have an iPhone 14 Pro with a 56 megapixel camera. I didn't have that. The Motorola bag phone didn't have a camera, right? And uh, so I don't have a picture of this, but what I would see is I would see a flower develop because here's what happened. They had grafted an apple tree onto a rose bush. Because a rose bush lives in sandy desert soil. And so they would graft an apple tree onto the roots of a rose bush and the root. Here's what you have to understand. The root might provide the nutrients for fruit to grow, and that's what a root's job is, right? But a root will always produce fruit of its own kind. Now, it can have offshoots that do other things, that provide nutrients to other places, other things. But it eventually, if left into itself, is going to produce fruit of its own kind. So if you start developing the fruit of forgiveness... Guess what's going to be blossoming in your life? Forgiveness and all that comes with it. But if the root of your life is unforgiveness, even though you've been grafted in, oh man, I'm preaching good right now. Mm, that was good. Even though you've been grafted in to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and there's some pretty fruit growing in your life, if you don't deal with the root, the fruit is going to come. I don't have time. That's a whole other message. I got to go on. So here's, here's what we know. We know. We know this. We know this. Roots create what? 
There you go. Notice how important it is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with some of the people. No, no, no. All the people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So you're to pursue peace and holiness with who? Jesus. With just him. No. With all the people. Without which you won't what? You won't make heaven your home. You won't see the Lord. And it's not just then. It's You won't see the Lord at work in your life now. Can I tell you, it's more important for God to work in your life now than for you to someday be in heaven. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm not sure. It's because it's you're almost there. Trust me. It's more important that you, you pursue peace so that you, you, have this, you have this access to the Lord now. Come on, everybody. I want you to see this because this isn't a scare tactic from the writer of Hebrews to get you to get along. He's saying you're going to miss out on what God is doing because you're going to be so mad at that person. You will miss out on the grace of God, the mercy of God, the wisdom of God, come on everybody, the faith of God, the provision of God around you. You won't be able to see it because there's a root choking out the fruit that could be. That could be growing. Come on. Here's the thing. Write this down. Bitterness always affects my ability to see. Bitterness always affects my ability to see. Then it says it defiles many. How many of you know that we believe that every word of Scripture has meaning and purpose? Okay. It defiles many isn't just a tagline on the end of the sentence to bring the sentence to a conclusion so the writer can continue on. That's what it means. Bitterness, listen to me, affects every relationship that you have. This is such a big deal. In the original Greek, which the language this was originally written in, this, was, this, this word bitterness means poison. It means a poisoned attitude, okay? Poisoned spirit. So the title that I titled this message this morning is this, Don't Drink the Poison. Don't Drink the Poison. See, the scripture, the scripture is warning us that if we take on this spirit of bitterness, it's going to affect what? Everything. It's going to affect everything. <laughs> so the greatest lie of the enemy, please everybody listen to this. The greatest lie that the enemy can tell you is that, bitter, that you can have bitterness just toward one person. It's not true. Literally, bitterness affects every relationship that you have. The, the devil's lie to the bitter believer is that you can just hate one person. I just despise that one. Come on, everybody. How many of you right now, let's just be honest, have had or currently have that person? Come on, I got both feet up. And all toes are representative of different people. Come on. Right? Yes. The reality is, is those bitter things defile, Scripture says, many. Many. Sir, if you have a problem with your mama, you'll take it out on your wife. Ma'am, if you have an issue with your father, it will affect how you treat your son. And it's already affected how you treat your husband. If you have a problem with authority, it will affect how you receive from your pastor. I promise. Well, I don't have any problem with the pastor. I just have a problem with this teacher at school. And as a parent, I've been loud enough where my kids understand my problem with that teacher at school. 
Oh, good, so you grew up some roots of bitterness in them too. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. We're not Presbyterian. Come on, you can get behind me. Hello. If you're still mad at the teacher from back in the day, it's going to affect the working relationships that you have at work. Okay? We, listen, I could go on and on and on and on and on. Okay? But the devil is, is going to tell you, hey, this is just our little secret. Right? We got this secret toward that one person. You can love everybody but hate them. And it'll be fine. No. The truth is it's going to defile many. It will affect every relationship. And so I think the disciples were all thinking what we're thinking right now. Oh, man, this is going to be hard. Right? God, if this is the truth, you got to give us more faith. Because people are hard to deal with. Yes? I mean... Matthew was a tax collector. People hated him. And if I was a tax collector, I'd be bitter at my own self. Right? So if you're one of those IRS agents, (laughs) smile at me. Well, you just lost your job. Anyway, thank God. Here's, here's what we're talking about today. God is calling us to, to do what? To forgive. God is calling us all to forgive, and faith in Jesus will be required to do it. It will be required to do it. Come on, everybody. God, give me more faith so that I can live in an attitude and posture of forgiveness because I need it. Because people are stupid. And I'm allergic to stupid. I break out in hives. I get mouthy. Anybody else? You ever get blotched in the face because you're mad? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It affects us all. I mean, not all of us, most of us the same. Right? So let's look at what forgiveness is not. You get anything? I thought I'd just softball this weekend because, you know, it's, it's time change. So. No, I've never done that and I never, ever will, okay? Here's what forgiveness is and what it's not, okay? Forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness is trusting God. It's choosing your future over your past. Literally, the word forgive means to let it go. Right, you got to let it go. So the moment of pain happens, and you have that ability in that moment to grab a hold of it and identify with it, or do I let it go? Do I grab onto this and, and become offended, or do I let it go? Do I, do I become God in this situation and bring judgment on them? Or do I trust in God and ask for more faith, because God knows I'm going to need it, right? Forgiveness is choosing your future. What do I mean by that? It, I can't change what they did to me. Okay, you, you can't change what they've done to you. I can't change how I was hurt. I can't change the moment of pain. But I can, I, I can decide where I go next. Right? I'm hurt. I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> like a... Like a monkey with thumbs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pound out a message. I'm going to send it to the interwebs. Right? Come on. So I can decide. I can decide. I can think. I can separate myself in the moment and look at what happened. Now I can decide what happens from here. Yes? Write this down. Forgiveness never changes the past. Forgiveness never changes the past. 
Forgiveness changes the future. That's what forgiveness does. It changes the future. Forgiveness does not erase the past. Forgiveness prepares me for a better tomorrow. It, it's literally, it opens the door for my preferred future to take place. Okay? Forgiveness does not leave my yesterday. Forgiveness sets me up to walk in a better tomorrow. That's what it does. Let, let, me, let me say something forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not being a doormat. Two amens. Thank you, church. For, listen, this is a problem. As Christians, we think we're doormats. Look at me. You're not a doormat. Do not practice doormat Christianity. Right? Well, I just let everybody just, you know, treat me like the fire hydrant on the corner. You don't understand the term. Google such. If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out. You can forgive and leave at the same time. Forgiveness does not always lead to the restoration of a relationship. I'm going to let that one settle. I'll say it again. Forgiveness does not always lead to the restoration of a relationship. Sometimes you have to forgive and block. Hello? Sometimes you have to get, forgive and unfollow. Sometimes you have to forgive and move. Sometimes you have to forgive and never speak to them again. Forgiveness brings closure. It does not always bring restoration. It does at times. But if the goal is always restoration, you're going to be disappointed. Listen to me. If the goal is always restoration, there will be times of disappointment. Come on, everyone. Because sometimes it's just closure. Let me ask you a question. What if they're dead? You can still forgive. You can still forgive. God wants to help us with this because it's such an easy thing to live with a little bit of poison in our heart, but we don't realize it's affecting everything we do. Everything we do, right? Everything we do. A little bit of poison, right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Years ago, I, uh, how many of you like honey? You like honey? Dude, I love me some honey, right? Fresh break bread, butter, honey. Yes? Oh, yeah. Recently, I was subjected to honey on pizza. Yeah. Spicy honey on pizza? Dude, next level, right? Mm. Fat kid world right there, okay? A few years ago, I decided I liked honey, and I decided, I, I, you know, south of town, the mesquite beans were everywhere. I, you know what? I wonder if we could get some honey beans. Get some honey, right? So I got honey beans. Became a beekeeper. Y'all, I got one of them net suits. I got the little smoke thing. Right? I got the little, I got, I got the gloves, I got the whole thing, right? Only problem is this. You know, you get stung sometimes. And I got stung one too many times. So I de developed an allergic, allergic reaction to honey. This is what I look like on, on bees. That's one bee sting. That's not, that's not an app. I didn't blow that photo up. 
that's me, y'all. One bee sting on the end of the chin. Yep, like the nutty professor. That's no joke. That's me. That's me on bee stings. That's me with a little bit of poison. Okay? Isn't that crazy? Put that next photo up. This is what I looked like a week before. This was a week before in Colorado on vacation. This was me. Put that other photo back up. Me on a little bit of poison. This is me on unforgiveness. Put the other photo up. Forgiven. Go back. Unforgiveness. Forgiven. Let us pray. All of you would run to the altar. Yes? That's no joke. Guess what I don't have at my house anymore? Yeah. And I was ready to kill them all. I had someone come pick them up. I hold up in the house, right, taped off the vents. We were going to die soon. Carbon monoxide, I'm telling you. I was like, be averse for a while. It scared me to death, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm glad they took the photo down. Thank you. Some of you were just like, whoa. A little bit of poison. Hello? A little bit of poison. Mess up your life. Don't drink the poison of unforgiveness. Satan will tempt you. Oh, it's okay. What they did, yeah, it's justifiable. You should be mad. You should be. You can be mad at them forever because what they did was wrong. You are right. <laughs> like, like a fat kid at a donut sale. Come on, everybody. Swelled up like a tick on a fat dog. Listen. When you eat just a little bit of poison called bitterness, we will live, you will live with the symptoms of it. But, but it hadn't killed you. No, it won't kill you. Can I tell you, I didn't feel like doing anything. In fact, Gail preached that Sunday. That, that beast thing happened on a Saturday afternoon. I didn't get out of bed because I, she drugged me, y'all. Benadryl, whoosh, like knock, knocked a brother out, okay? So I, I want to give some reasons why I want you to forgive, okay? Why God, I believe God wants you to forgive. You ready? Here's some practical things. Number one, forgiveness keeps my eyes on Jesus. It keeps our eyes on Jesus. It keeps my eyes on Jesus. I want you to forgive because it's going to help you get closer to God. You're going to get closer to God. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This is the Apostle Paul telling us. He's telling us to create an emotional budget for relationships. That's what he's saying. If you're going to go to Disneyland, listen to me, you can't go with $10 cash. You better have, some, you better have a budget. You go with 10 bucks, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be thirsty because that's going to get you one bottle of water about that big. Okay, no ears, no shirt, bottle of water about that big. That's it, 10 bucks. Okay, if uh, you, you're going to have to make an allowance. You're going to have to save up. You're going to have to proportion a budget for those things. Come on, everybody, you, you get me? So if you're going to have great relationships, there's going to be some faults made. You're going you're gonna to need a, a, an emotional, relational budget. Okay? It's going to happen. They're going to offend you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone. Don't live in unforgiveness. Remember, you must what? Forgive others. You must forgive others. Keep your eyes on Jesus in that moment of pain, and you'll have the grace to forgive. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Forgiveness I need to, forgiveness helps me. It, it does. It helps me keep my eyes on Jesus. Here's what else happens. And this isn't number two. It's still number one. Uh, keeping my eyes on Jesus helps me forgive. They kind of work hand in hand, yes? 
keeping your eyes on Jesus in that moment of pain. Listen, so you, you have the grace to forgive. Notice where it happens. It happens in the remembering. It happens in the remember. Remember, that's what the Bible says, the Lord forgave you. That's the whole key to forgiveness. That God forgave you. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God to forgive you? Okay, then you have the power to forgive. When you don't want to forgive someone else, here's what I want you to say out loud. Just you'll, you'll only say it a few times. God, you don't have to forgive me. I hate him that much that I'm willing to go to hell for that. You won't ever say that. But harboring bitterness says that. That's what it says. Remembering that Jesus, what Jesus did for you, allows you and empowers you to give away something that you received only through the relationship with Jesus. Right? If any of you came up to me this morning and said, hey, Pastor Derek, um, I, I, I really need you to give me $50,000. I could look you straight in the eye and say, no. You know why? Because I don't have $50,000 to give you. It's pretty easy. Yes? Can you give me a new Corvette? No. Why? I don't have one. Look at me. You can't give what you've never received. But if you've received it, you can give it. If I've received it, I can give it. As hard as it might be in the moment, yes? I can still give it. See, God never asks you for something. He knows it's already in you. Come on, everybody. So when he says, be merciful, he's already given you mercy. When he says, be gracious, grace has already been imparted. Right? When he says, be kind, kindness is something. We, we, we come to him out of his kindness, right? So it's because you've already received what you need to walk in forgiveness. So I have to remember what Jesus did for me and then give it away. Write this down in your notes. So it's not forgive and forget. It's remember and forgive. It's not forgive and forget. Look at me. Don't forget. If your counselor tells you to forget, fire them. They're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They want your money. They don't want your health. You can't forget. But you can forgive. And that is so much more powerful than you, like, I'm going to work hard on forgetting. Why? Just forgive and move past it. Come on, everybody. Let's forgive and move on, everybody, right? You can't forget. God never tells us to forget what has been done. Faith is not denial. It's not denial. Okay, 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 okay. I didn't, I, I, I don't hurt, I don't hurt, I don't hurt, I don't. No, God never asked you to do that. It hurt. I was not okay. Come on, everybody. That, <laughs> faith is remembering what Christ Jesus did for you on Calvary's cross and saying, because he lives, I can too. Because Jesus looked down on the crowd and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I can look around me and say, Lord, if they, I, I truly believe in, in my heart of hearts, if they knew the pain they were causing, they wouldn't do it. Number two, forgiveness shuts the door. I only have three, by the way. How about that? 
Number two is forgiveness shuts the door. Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, do not sin. Okay, in your anger, do not sin. <laughs> the King James, <laughs> oh, Jameson himself, right? He said, he said be, be ye angry and sin not. That's what the King James says. Be ye angry, sin not. I think King James was a rapper from way back. I just do. That's how I read it. Here's what the Holy Spirit was saying. It's okay to be mad. But you can't sin in your anger. It's okay to be mad. Don't sin in your anger. Again, God is saying... I've given you your emotions. Those are a gift, yes? Just don't sin with it. Experience it. Listen to me, this is so rich. Don't weaponize it. So many times people weaponize this stuff. Manipulate it. They weaponize it. Feel it, but don't turn it on somebody. Are you with me? In your anger, it's okay to experience emotion. You're going to. You need to. Just don't let that emotion turn, turn, your, t- turn you to anger. Don't, don't allow that. And don't let the sun go down, the scripture says. Can keep reading. Don't let the sun go down while you're still what? Angry. And do not give a, the devil a foothold. One of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare for the believer is to walk free of unforgiveness. Like People will be like, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm in a battle. Have you forgiven? Well, no, I hate them. Then no, I won't pray. I'm wasting my breath. Hello? And in, in, in coming alongside you in that, mo- in that moment, I'm siding with your emotional dysfunction. Some people are saying amen right now. They never say amen when I tell them this. They get mad. They're offended again. Have you forgiven? Listen, I can shun thy all I want. Come on, everybody. But if you haven't forgiven, the door's still open. You can come down here and weep and cry all you want to. But if you go right out that door and start running your mouth again, you're going to end right back down here. Paul says something very interesting. When I live with unresolved anger and unforgiveness, I'm going to give the devil a foothold, a stronghold, a place like an open door in my life, okay? And it's interesting that Paul used the word devil, okay? He could have used the word, he could have used a lot of terms. Prince of Peace, Lucifer, Hillary, lots of things. He could have used a lot. (laughs) Smile at me, that was funny. He could have used, come on, that was funny. We're like, I'm going to have to work. Okay, I'm going to put this into practice. He uses the word devil. Devil's the Greek word for diablos. Okay? The devil is the slanderer. Devil is part of the part of Satan that speaks. Are you with me? It means slanderer, accuser, author of evil. Okay? Estranging man from God and, God, and, and man from each other. Separating, okay? So, so let, me, let me tell you what the devil does. He slanders, he accuses, he authors evil, and he separates people from God and one another. That's what he does. And I can promise you, the moment offense comes, distance will start to be created. And when distance is created, there's separation. And when separation happens, what's next? Divorce. There's only... One or two times in 20, almost five years of ministry where I've had a couple that has been in marital conflict come to me and say, should I, should I separate myself from this person for a time? And I said yes, and only because of abuse. If abuse isn't the case, absolutely not. Because separation creates distance and distance creates an attitude, an environment for unforgiveness to run rampant. 
and for a divorce to happen. Well, this isn't what my counselor said. Okay. This is what my counselor said. Pay who you want. But I know the guy who knows what's coming. I'm going to say this as soft as I can. When you go to bed with unforgiveness, you will be counseled by the devil. That's what he does. Married people know this. Because if you go to bed mad, you wake up madder. Why? Because you let the divider tell you who that person is now. You let the accuser accuse them. Come on. You're not in unity. You haven't forgiven. And when you haven't forgiven, now the slanderer and the accuser and the author of evil is telling you who that person is. You no longer see them how God sees them. You see them how the devil sees them. Getting something? All right. Listen, if, you, if, if you've ever hated anyone, it's because you believe the lies of the enemy. You believed what the enemy told you about them. No way, man. You don't know. You don't know them like I know them. I don't, but God knows them and he already forgave them. Right? Racist people. Racist people. People who hate another race. That's not smart. Right? It's because they've gone to bed with the accuser night after night after night after night. We have to shut the door to the accuser or we will believe things that we don't even believe. We'll live out what we don't even believe. That's what the devil does. Revelation 12.10, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God, day and night has been hurled down. Has been what? Hurled down, hurled down. This is what he does. And let me tell you, let me, let me tell you, people who falsely accuse, run from them as fast as you can. Are you hearing me? You're like, I'm sitting beside them. Look at me, look, I'm, I'm serious. Look at me, not next week. Not if you're serious. Well, shouldn't I forgive them? Yep, do it from a distance. Come on, somebody. Do it from a distance. Right? And if God's going to work something out between you, he, he will do so. He'll put it on your heart. And time after time after time, and work after work after work, you, you might grow back closer together. But, but I'm just telling you, people that falsely accuse run from them. And forgive them as you run. You're going to have to. Write this down. I'm almost done. Offense is a moment. Offended is a decision. Offense is a moment. Happens in a moment. You can be offended with someone just looking at you wrong. Okay? We've all been there. Offended is a decision. When that was done, there was an offense cause. When that was said, that hurt, Right? Okay, that's different than living with an open door to the accuser, continually telling you, right? And you know, Satan is so sneaky. You know what he'll do? He'll surround you with people that agree with him. He's good at it. He's already set you up to be in close proximity to people that agree with him. One of the most dangerous things you can do is when offense comes for you to verbalize it outwardly. Remember, you're cooperating with the enemy and his opinion of them, right? Deal with it. Come on. Come on, everybody. Deal with it. Deal with it. Walk. If I walk in a spirit of accusation, if I walk in a spirit of looking for a fight, I'm going to find one. 
If I, if I walk around with a spirit of suspicion, there's plenty to be suspicious about. Why? Because the enemy will fill my head with all sorts of things. Oh, you should look right here. You should dig right there. Do you love them? Or do you want the, the, the relationship to be damaged because of what you're hearing from the enemy? Come on, everybody. Because they're not perfect. And you'll find their imperfections, and you'll suddenly be offended by it. And you won't be offended with yours. Isn't it interesting how he works? Number three, forgiveness actually sets me free. Forgiveness sets me free. To forgive is to set a prisoner free, and that prisoner was me. It was me all along. And withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting another person to die. I'll drink it, but I want them to get hurt. No, 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 it's not how it works. We feed on something that's hurting us, it's going to hurt. Come on, everyone. But when I choose to forgive, when I choose to forgive, let's go back to this. I have this desire to be loved, and I have this fear of rejection. All of us have a desire to love and a fear of rejection. And once I experience the pain of rejection, unforgiveness can now feel as sort of a justice for what they did against me. You feel justified. So I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm right and they are wrong. Look at me. It'll never bring you peace. It's never going to bring you. It'll never bring you healing. You may feel like you have something against them. You need to release them from it. Right? How many of you have ever been pulled over for a speeding ticket and they wrote you a warning? Some of you act like never. It's just because they haven't pulled you over. Right? Worship team, if you'll come. Right? Come on. Listen. Doesn't it feel good? Did you think about that officer and think, that guy ain't doing his job. He should really be writing me a ticket. No, you think about that when he's pulled someone else over. Right? Well, you deserved it. You were speeding. It feels unbelievably amazing to be set free. just to be set free. Listen, I know self-love is a hot topic right now, and and, and let me say this, there's no greater act of self-love than to forgive, than to forgive someone else. There's no quicker way to heal your heart than to forgive. There's no better way to be set free than to shut the the door on the devil, than to forgive. Come on. God, help us to forgive. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Help us to forgive. How do I forgive? Jesus says, pray. Pray for your enemies. I've learned that it's impossible to hate people that I'm actively praying for. Can't do it. When I pray daily for people, I promise you, There's not going to be a hatred in my heart for them. It's just not possible. Who are you fighting with that you should be fighting for? Who are you fighting with? You should be fighting for them. You should be going to battle with them together, not, not as opponents. We're in this together. Life's hard. This world is stupid, right? We're not smart ourselves. And yet we're holding on to other people's imperfections when we don't even, we know that ours are probably worse. Would you forgive? Would you forgive, ladies and gentlemen? Today, before we leave, just take a few moments and just ask the Lord, God, 
who, you probably know, if there's, a, if there's a name, if there's a face in your mind right now, forgive them right now in Jesus' name. Just forgive them. I know I didn't, I don't know what they did. It doesn't matter at this point what they did. What they did is still hurting you possibly, not probably not because of what they did, but because you're holding on to what they did. Let it, let it go. Forgive them. God, in Jesus' name, we forgive. We forgive. We forgive. God, I forgive this person and that person. I forgive. God, help me to forgive. Help me to be a person that forgives. Help me to pray for them. Amen? Pray for, pray for those people. Pray for them right now. Pray for them. In, 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 just pray right now all over this room. God, we just lift up them. We lift those people up to you. We pray for them right now, God. We ask you to be with them. We ask you to bless them. And we've got to treat other people how we want to be treated. We need to pray for them and then we need to choose to treat them like we want to be treated. God, once I was a sinner, once I was out of bounds, once I was, the Bible says, your word says, describes me as dead. I was gone, but now I've come back to life because of the offer of forgiveness and your sacrifice for me. You died while I was still sinning against you. You chose to forgive me. So God, I forgive others. And I walk in a spirit of forgiveness today. 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 I, I'm not, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you to come forward. I'm not gonna. You know why? Because all of us would need to respond. Listen, right where you are, I just ask you to respond in your heart to God or outwardly. I, I mean, I'm an expressive guy. I raise my hand. I do it at football games, basketball games. I get loud. I get loud there. I get loud for Jesus. Okay, so God, forgive me. <laughs> I don't know how you need to do it, but Lord, forgive us. And we forgive others. God, we forgive others. We forgive them. God, forgive me. Forgive me as I forgive others. Jesus. Jesus. Help us, God. Help us, God, to be people who can walk in a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of understanding, a spirit, God, of a forward progress and disciple as a disciple of yours. We don't want to harbor, but God, we want to be set free. In Jesus' name, we choose to be set free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if, if, if you're not walking in relationship with God, can I tell you, there's nothing better in your whole life than for you to live in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, listen, you can't forgive unless you've been forgiven. You, you, you won't know what I'm talking about. You won't walk in forgiveness unless you're forgiven. Listen, when you were still in sin, when long before, long before you ever decided to live for God, long before this moment, when you were walking out the life you're living, He chose to live for you, to die for you, to live for you, sacrifice for you, and He chose to forgive you. So I'm encouraging you, give your life to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. Give your, give your life to Him. Trust Him with everything. Not with just the future, but even now. God, today we trust you with our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do in us. God, we honor you in this house. We thank you for all that you've done today. 
we know, Lord Jesus, that as we leave this place, we don't leave the church, but we leave as the church to do what you've called us and created us to do. So God, as we walk out of these doors, we, we, we release those people around us. We've already done that. And so God, now we're going to live free. We're going to live as free people once again, and we're going to stand in the glory of the incredible grace that you've offered to us as forgiven men and women, empowered by your love, to live a life that people will wonder about. Because how do they do that? God, we do it only because you've done it for us. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.